0: Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. First touchdown of the NFL season has been scored by Gabe Davis, a 26-yard reception from Josh Allen, who goes 5-for-5 five five for 58 yards on the opening drive. So Bills leading the Rams 7-0. Rams about to run their first offensive play from their own 22 as we kick off the NFL season we just had Chuba Hubbard on the show running back for the Carolina Panthers a graduate of Bev Facey they're going to be taking on Cleveland to get their season going on uh, Sunday as it is a uh, very very fun time for football of course into the CFL it's Labor Day rematch time for the Elks and Stampeders the game on six thirty, Ched Saturday at 4 30 for the countdown to kick off and then the game will start at 6 the Elks looking to snap a 13 game home field losing streak and uh, beat the stamps for the first time in four tries this season to discuss that and more. I am pleased to welcome back to inside sports offensive lineman, the center for your Edmonton Elks. It is Mark Cordy checking in Mark. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hi, Reed. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, I don't know if I'm getting you away from some family time or for or perhaps uh, making you multitask while the Rams and the Bills are on. Do you like? Do you go home and watch football after playing football all day, or what's the deal?
1: Yeah, I think there's. You know, there's. Sometimes it's. Uh, you know, it's good to get a bit of an escape from the game. But you know, more often than not, for me, it's it's fun to be a fan, and you know, catch an NFL game like tonight for sure.
0: Okay, now do you? Focus on the offensive linemen, or do you just sort of clear your head of what your day job is and, and just watch? Do you, do you track your fantasy team, perhaps? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, fantasy is kind of the fun thing to track. I think, though, I think, and I think a lot of offensive
1: linemen would say the same thing that you kind of just gravitate back to watching, you know, what's going on up front with those guys. So, um, as much as you might even not be trying to watch them, you kind of you can't help yourself at times, for the most part.
0: Uh, do, do NFL line, offensive linemen do anything drastically different from what CFL offensive linemen do? Or I mean, I know that the job is the same. Are there details and little responsibilities that are different from league to
1: league? Uh, you know, there's, there's some nuances for sure that are going to be different. You know, obviously you've got the one-yard dis- difference. Um, you know, the defense are a little different with 11 guys versus 12. But, I mean, ultimately, yeah, a lot of the techniques are the same. A lot of the schemes are similar. Um, and, you know, ultimately there's, there's a big dude in front of you trying to get to the quarterback behind you. And so, um, you know, that doesn't change regardless of one league or the other.
0: Okay. Uh, I've got to ask you about something else here. This is a a little bit of a, a lighter note question. And I, I do want to talk to you about the season. So look, I, I've learned over the years that offensive linemen, um, you know, they they like to poke fun at themselves a little bit, but they, they've also taught me, you know, read the stereotype that all we do is sit around and eat, and uh we don't you know, we don't really train, we just try to weigh as much as possible and we eat like seven meals a day. Like that's not true. Like don't joke around about that too much. Now, having said that, on August thirty first, you tweeted a very interesting photo at Friesen Brothers uh of the old line with a copious amount of food on the table in front of all of you. What is the story behind that photo? <laughs>
1: yeah that's uh i think a copious amount of food is is the right way to put it um yeah we had an awesome meal they had um you know the the people at freezing brothers are awesome um you know we're sort of connected to them in a few different ways and so they they wanted to have us out and feed us all and so i don't think any of us you know the 10 of us that were there i don't think any of us expected how much food there was going to be and we kind of showed up and there's there's beef ribs there's pork ribs there's you know this awesome potato salad you know, more garlic toast than you can, like, shake a stick at. Um, you know, every sort of side, like, every, just a, an incredible amount of food that was all awesome. Um, it, was, it was a fun time. So, you know, sometimes we, we live up to the stereotype of, of sitting around and eating a lot and just hanging out with the boys, and, and that's, that's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, we had a really good time. It was a good chance to, to get everybody together and, and enjoy a meal together.
0: All right, and maybe interesting for you to transition into uh, into maybe some of the uh, more serious topics here. Uh, one of the last times you would have been able to socialize with David Beard as a teammate, we made a lot of the great story in the off season. You signed here, you played with David at the U of A. Two Golden Bears on the Edmonton offensive line to see a teammate and a friend and somebody you've known very long traded uh, well you know what was that uh like for you what was it like finding out maybe saying farewell to uh to david from the elks locker room
1: yeah it was it was a bit of a whirlwind um you know i think yeah you're right that freezing brothers thing was, was one of the last chance we got to hang out as a large group of us with david um and you know what it was it was difficult i mean it's the reality is that you know football's football's a business and and players tend to come and go um and some of those transactions you know are a little more weighty um depending on who it is that's coming and going so um it was definitely difficult to see david leave but um you know we certainly you know wish him well i know he's doing well out there in hamilton already um and we've you know i think all of us I'm in Edmonton and O'Lyman around the league, we all tend to keep up with each other. So, um, you know, we all stay in touch, so that's good. And, um, you know, I know David's, David's enjoying himself out there and doing well, so that's good to see for sure with him.
0: Okay, and, and with David uh, traded, you played center on Labor Day in Calgary. I know a position you're familiar with. Look, Mark, I got to ask because it's something I talked about Monday after the game, as an, and I'm sure you know it, it's come up in the analysis of that game by, by a lot of people. Um, there were a couple snaps that a, appeared to be a little bit off the mark. One of them led to a fumble that uh, that Calgary recovered. I, I'm just wondering what you thought of that, uh, the, you know, your game at, at Centre the other day, and, and were there some snaps that maybe you'd like back if you could do them again?
1: Yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely like a few of them back. Um, you know, Turnovers are really costly in football. We saw that one that turns into a fumble. You know, Calgary gets it at midfield. They go in and score. Um, you know, there's no doubt that that has a big impact on the game from there on out. So, um, you know, it, it's really costly to have those. So, certainly something that you know we've worked on throughout the week of practice. Put in, you know, some extra reps on. You know, really nailing that down. So, um, it's something that I feel confident about going into Saturday. Um, you know, having played center all through 2021. Um, you know it was it was never a huge concern for me and i think for me it's you know the more i think about it, it's a bit more it's almost like a golf swing right that when you come out in in april and may and it's a little rocky um, you know it needs a little bit of work and a little bit of time and a little bit of extra hours um, to get refined and get back to where where it needs to be so um, you know certainly those are really costly turnovers and so we put put a lot of extra time in this week to you know, to do what we can to mitigate those errors going forward for sure.
0: Okay. Well, and you know, I guess we've been talking a lot about just some errors and fine details for the Elks this season. Um, You know, I've given this stat all week here on the show. Uh, You lost by 10 to Saskatchewan and 11 to Saskatchewan. You led in the fourth quarter in both those games. Uh, You've played Calgary three times. Once wasn't great, obviously, but one game you lost by seven, another game you lost by eight. Uh, you lost by seven to Ottawa. You had a really poor second quarter. And uh, you lost by 14 to Winnipeg. And you had the ball almost the entire first three quarters of the game and just uh, couldn't get a touchdown. And, you know, Monday against Calgary, a couple penalties uh, killed some plays. You gave up a long kick return. Uh, I, I know the, the record doesn't look great. How, how close are you guys? How much is it just cleaning up? You know, three or four errors per game, and making those plays instead of handing opportunities to the opponent.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a very very fair assessment. I think we've had a lot of games this year that it's like we kind of look back on them and it's okay, we did a lot of things right. Um, you know, like we talked about the Winnipeg game, we're way up in time possession. Even this last week in Calgary, I think we were like 35 minutes time of possession um, out of 60 the game that we played earlier in the season in calgary i thought we really had a chance to win um you know going down the stretch so that's really the big thing for us right now and we've talked about as a team is is having that wire to wire complete game where we don't have you know a bit of a blow up of a drive or two um you know like example last week the third quarter was rocky um things like that that you know kind of blow things up and and sometimes you sort of lose control for a minute so um, being able to put that four quarters together, I mean, that's what you look at the good teams that win consistently and win all the time is they can put that put that together all the way through um, and not have those crucial four or five plays that, um, you know, can kind of tear things down a little bit.
0: Yeah. Mark Cordy, offensive lineman for Edmonton Elks, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. We get you ready for the Labor Day rematch on Saturday. Um, I, I want to take you there. Uh, you being an Edmonton area product, you know all about Labor Day. You know all about the rivalry. You know all about the Battle of Alberta. Now that you're getting to be in it, uh, what what is this week like? Uh, and, and I'll kind of ask that from the angle of playing Calgary back to back and the uh, notorious short turnaround from Monday to Saturday.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's been um, you know obviously like playing you know my first couple years in the CFL playing in Ottawa there's not as big of a Labor Day rivalry so coming into it for my first year this year has been really cool especially to do it you know playing for Edmonton um you know being a person that's from Edmonton and growing up a fan of the Labor Day Classic and the rematch um has been has been really surreal um you know especially you know being on the field last week in Calgary and then it'll be the same this week you know being a part of the game itself and then you know the short turnaround really does does kind of, it's it's a week like no other where you're playing the same team again. Um, so a lot of your a lot of things that you know you scouted for the week before they're the same things that um, you're scouting for again. But you've got a whole other game to, to review and and add that into your reports. And then um, you obviously got the you know recovery slash fatigue piece of you know playing a game on monday and then having to turn around and get back out there on saturday um has been huge i think we've done a good job managing it in practice this week um spending a lot more time on the mental side of things a little bit more meeting time um you know getting ourselves physically you know full tank of gas for six o'clock on friday night or saturday night sorry um and getting things ready to go there so it's certainly a a unique i guess two-week stretch here in the cfl schedule that. Um, you know, going through it for my first time has been very cool, and you know, it's a it's a series of games like no other for sure. So I'm really looking forward to Saturday, um, getting out there again against Calgary.
0: I just want to ask you about a relatively new teammate and actually a a listener named Brian called in before we went to news at 630 and and uh, brought him up and was pretty excited about seeing more of him. I I know you're probably just getting to know him Uh, running back Kevin Brown, some good runs, some good pass receptions the other night. How is this guy fitting into the offense? And it it seems like he, he can be a pretty speedy guy who's hard to bring down. Yeah, he's, he
1: seems to have a lot of tools coming in. You know, he's only been with us for a little short while now, and he's he's shown some great things. So, um, you know, I think we saw in the game on Monday he can he can run inside, he can run outside, he can catch out of the backfield. Um, you know, he can run fast, he can run strong, he can he can do a lot of things for us, and, and even some things up front that, you know, watching the film back that, uh, you know, maybe we don't have – everything blocked up perfectly for us, but he's able to to get up in there with some power and, and get us four or five yards in a cloud of dust sort of thing. So I think he's done a really good job so far, and, and I think him and him and Ante Littre, I think they really complement each other well, um, having two backs that can run the ball hard, you know, and, and really do a lot of different things in our offense. So I think... Uh, I hope Kevin has has more of a role, even more so going forward in our offense. He seems to be a really good player, so um,
0: looking forward to seeing more of him out there. Right on. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him play again on Saturday. Well, Mark, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for uh, touching on uh, the NFL, Friesen Brothers. Uh, you know your role on the offensive line and uh, heading into this game on Saturday. And uh, I'll let you get back to concentrating on the uh, Bills and the Rams here. Thank you so much. All the best against the Stampeders. Awesome. Thank you, Reed. That is Mark Cordy checking in, the starting center on the offensive line for your uh, Edmonton Elks. And I asked him about the, uh, you know, a couple of snaps that were off the mark on uh, Monday. And he says, yeah, not good enough. Uh, Had to make sure I put in some extra reps at practice this week so that doesn't happen again. You can't lose those plays and uh, you can't have them resulting in turnovers, which one of them did. Good to have Mark on the show. And uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Brown, I agree. Very exciting, uh, very exciting potential. A lot of potential there for the... uh, for the Edmonton Elks coming out of the backfield. So we'll see how he does against Calgary on Saturday. Okay, you, of course, can get in touch, 780-496-0063. Blake Dermott is going to chime in between 7 and 7.30, and we'll have continuing coverage of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. When we transition into a little more conversation after the 8 o'clock news, we'll also have a sports-related angle between 7.30 and 8. Cassie Campbell-Pascal, one of the all-time greats in Canadian women's hockey, met the Queen about 20 years ago. So she's going to be on in uh, about 45 minutes or so. We will call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Chet. inside sports
1: with reed wilkins on edmonton sports leader 630 chad
0: well off and running with a current nfl or cuba hubbard a current cfl mark cordy on this uh, show so far an alum of the cfl and now a broadcaster here on 630 chad an analyst blake dermot is coming up uh i got a, a gentleman on on hold here i will get to him in a second i just want to mentioned what I did last night. I wonder if anybody else kind of wind up, wound up doing what I did or approximately. So it was, I don't know, 15 to midnight, 10 to midnight. I mean, with I'm with my hours, I'm usually going to bed between midnight and one, working more towards into the evening, especially once the Oilers get playing games. So I thought oh, I'll flip on the TV for a few minutes, see what's on, wind down a little bit. So it was the end of the fourth set in the U S open quarterfinal between Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What a match. So they went into the fifth set. So so I got to see about the last hour of the match, and it was absolutely epic. Now, you got to remember, this is being played in New York. So I started watching just before midnight mountain time. So, yes, they were playing into the wee hours of the morning. It finally ended. Uh, Alcaraz won in five sets, 6-3, 6-7, 6-7, 7-5, 6-3. So you see in there, you know, three of the sets were, were really long on top of that. Uh, the match ended at 2.50 a.m. Eastern time. That is the latest match ever in the history of the U.S. Open. 10 to 3 in the morning. That's how late they played. And there were people there. It wasn't packed but I would still call it a crowd and I would still call it an enthusiastic and noisy crowd uh, there until, well, they would have been getting home after three unless somebody lives right across the street. (laughs) I guess there's probably people who live close to the stadium there. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, 2.50 a.m. Now in terms of time on the court, second longest match in the history of the U.S. Open, it lasted five hours and 15 minutes. That's right. They played for five hours and 15 minutes. The longest match ever. You go back to 1992. Stefan Edberg and Michael Chang played for five hours and 26 minutes. It started earlier, so it didn't uh, quite go that late. Uh, It it, it was incredible. I, I, I love watching tennis. Momentum swings, great athleticism. Great shots, and uh, it, yeah, it's such a back-and-forth game, not just literally in terms of hitting the ball back and forth over the net. I, I just love the the momentum swings, the big shots. You think one player is in control, the other guy or gal comes back, and, and uh, that was certainly a battle last night. So it ended at 2.50 a.m. Eastern time, took five hours, and uh, 15 minutes, we'll see what Alcaraz has here going into the semifinal. All right, we'll go to the Certainty hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Tony checking in tonight. Tony, this is a nice surprise. What's up?
2: I have a, I have a couple of quick questions for you. One about the Oilers and one about the Elks.
0: I'll try my number best. One
2: is, number one was I was reading something about an hour ago. I want to know a situation on Kane's grievance hearing, if you know anything about it. And I, I want to know what's stopping. And I'm probably one of the only fans that maybe can, will say this. I want to know what's stopping us from, from firing Chris Jones from our, as our coach.
0: Well, 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 okay, let me ask you this. Why would you fire Chris Jones after 12 games?
2: Um, well, last season we didn't do exactly the greatest. And he was brought in to bring winning back into the city of Edmonton. And we're currently on a, what, 13-game losing streak at home. And we really just fought and we really lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Like, I don't know if that's hard. I don't know if that's rough. Um, that's hard to say against the guy who just came in. But we brought him in to help bring the winning culture back. And all we've done pretty much is lose this season.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Tony. Did At any point, did you hear Chris Jones or G-Roy Simon or people like me or Dave or Morley say that the Elks were going to be really good this season?
2: I uh, don't think so, no. But were you guys expecting them to be this bad, though?
0: Uh, I thought the most – I thought they'd probably win six or seven games, quite frankly. Oh, okay. They might, I, they, they might, they might not get there. I did not think they would make the playoffs.
2: Okay, no, I would just, I've just been, I've just been thinking about that, but no, I just want to know oh, if you know anything about the Kane grievance hearing.
0: I don't. Uh, it hasn't been decided yet. And as for, yeah, as for, I, I understand the frustration. I mean, look, I'm also an elk season ticket holder. Uh, it's frustrating for all the home losses. It's frustrating the way they've lost some of these games because they, they have you know, they have played well sometimes, but they've still lost. Uh, Chris Jones is here for the long haul. Now, the long haul is four years in terms of his contract. Um, there are comparisons made to when to when he went to Saskatchewan, and they were really poor his first year there, and then they got better. Uh, I think the Elks were starting from the bottom. They might not wind up with a much better record than last year. That's fair. I, I get that frustration, but I don't think there's any thought to, to firing Chris Jones while he's still in uh, year one of this tenure with the Elks. Tony, I don't believe, We'll be talking a lot during the hockey season. Blake Dermott is coming up next.